Welcome to the RE Human Layer Security Podcast, the show that flips the script on cybersecurity. I'm Tim Sadler, the CEO and co-founder of Tessian, and in each episode, I'll be interviewing IT and business leaders about why we need to protect people, not just machines and data, to stop breaches and empower businesses to achieve their missions. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode five of the RE Human Layer Security Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Bruce Hallis, an advocate, trainer, and coach in information security awareness, behavior, and culture. Bruce helps security professionals build the skills, tools, and experience to successfully design education and awareness programs that not only change behavior and culture, but also stack up to rigorous scrutiny by regulators, customers, and other industry stakeholders. Bruce has literally written the book on the human factor in cybersecurity. It's titled Rethinking the Human Factor, and he also presents the Rethinking the Human Factor podcast. I'm delighted to have him on the show today. Welcome, Bruce. Oh, thank you, Tim. Thank you very much. That's a fantastic introduction. I'm going to have to borrow that one, actually. <laughs> yeah, we can uh, we can pass it over to you for sure. Um, Bruce, <laughs> let's get straight into it. You do an amazing amount of work and research into the human factor of cybersecurity. Can you give us an overview of your work and tell us a bit more about what goes into your research? Um, okay, so I guess it, the number of layers. Uh, the first thing is that when I first got into information security, cybersecurity, whatever you want to call it, um, I sort of I was a little bit of an outsider in that I didn't have any technical skills really. So I, I, I trained, I formally trained in law, marketing, and finance, and I think that pretty much set my mind up in terms of uh, how I approached the challenge uh, as I saw it back then. Uh, then I've spent the best part of uh, 17 years doing governance, risk and compliance. So this is the stuff that most of your listeners are going to, you know, familiar with. Everything from PCI DSS, ISO 27001, NIST, Cyber Essentials, a whole range of standards and frameworks. And, and the whole concept was understand the risk define your appetite and then find your controls. But one of the core things I realized was that um, a lot of the controls uh, could only manage, could only really effectively reduce risk if people decided to comply with them. <laughs> and um, so I saw these organizations investing quite significant sums into basically producing paperwork, policies, mm -hmm. processes, and procedures. They would enforce some of it through the use of technology, which is fantastic. Um, but a lot of it was down to, you know, making people aware and then making them and making sure they were competent to do their jobs. But actually, my experience was that not everybody, even when they were aware and they were confident, not everybody chose to actually comply. So about eight years ago, I kicked up a program of research called the Rethinking the Human Factor. And um, I remember on the first day, having made the decision not to do any more consulting work for the time being, really, to focus on just research, taking the time out, which is really important to actually rethink the human factor. I was like, how do I describe this? And I said, well, uh, I think this is about understanding why people do what they do when we've asked them not to. And uh, the whole thing was like, how do I actually get the policy, how do I get people to behave in line with the policy to have what I call a, a PSO, a positive security outcome? And yeah, so we, we kicked off the, uh, the, the, the research program 
the recent program was it was a fantastic, really exciting time for me actually because I really loved getting my teeth into something new. And we started off with uh, uh, a risk assessment, so we did our own risk assessment around the human factor. We've used that to actually identify a whole range of really interesting topics, disciplines which most people in security weren't really looking at. And we went away and researched that desk-based research, but we also went out to CISOs, senior security professionals, data privacy professionals in North America, in Europe. We did interviews with about 180. We did a massive online survey as well. And we sort of pulled that all together and then we used that as the foundation for, for moving forward. And um, yeah, now, now we're sort of, we, we share access to that insight through training and coaching. That's great. And I mean, it sounds like your research covers a, a broad set of, of topics within this overarching theme of rethinking the human factor. For you yeah. personally, what is your, what's your kind of favorite area of that research? What's the one that's sort of been, you must have a favorite. <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> oh no. That's like asking somebody to choose between their children. <laughs> um, I mean, the lawyer in me wants to break this down into awareness, behavior, and culture and do one for each one of them. We'll let you do that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, so I think aha moments for me was that, you know, increasingly the industry's looked at it and said, hey, what does the world of marketing? You know, this is a marketing challenge. And, um, and, and I really bought into that as somebody that trained in marketing. I was like, yeah, I can see this. I've got a policy, HR's got a policy, learning development's got a policy, sales have got a policy, operations have got a policy, IT's got a policy. Everyone's got policies that they want and they're competing for our time to get our awareness of them and to engage with it and to drive the behavior. And I looked and I was like, hey, this is similar to marketing. And so I started to see security as a product. And my job in terms of education and awareness was to market it in a way to ensure that not only did somebody uh, engage with it, were they aware, but also they then chose to engage with it. And that once they had the experience of buying the product, eating the chocolate bar, for example, that they thought, do you know what? That is everything I expected and possibly more. And that they then choose to come back for it. They come back and they want to engage with something more. So I just saw that from a marketing perspective. So on one hand, marketing really, really appealed to me. But then, I took a step further back and thought, you know, how do marketeers, what is it they understand about people? And actually, the, the insight, we talk in our industry again, in the education and awareness sector for security and privacy, we talk about understanding our audience. And actually, the way we define it is in demographics. Um, maybe we're talking about, you know, trying to understand them in terms of uh, genders, cultural values, all these type of things, age brackets, that type of stuff which is the way that marketers used to do it 30 years ago. But actually, it's much more detailed and nuanced. And it's actually now about understanding how behaviors are formed and influenced. And when I went away and did a lot of research into how behaviors are formed and influenced, I got exposed to choice architecture and behavioral economics and cognitive psychology. Um, I had this, ah, that's the reason why marketers think this way and not that way. And suddenly I started to understand, you know, when I started to understand how behaviors are formed and influence, there were things that really dropped into place, like understanding how people design phishing campaigns, for example. And you start to see when you've been involved in incidents and you see how things are done, 
you sort of go, ah, so the cyber criminals are basically, they have an understanding, they're taking the understanding, our better understanding of how behaviors are formed and influenced, and they're incorporating that into how they design attacks. And I was like, ah, that's why phishing emails, for example, there's a sense of urgency, because what they know is that when you make something really urgent, instead of people thinking about something and of trying to apply logic and trying to remember what they've been taught, actually, they tend to sort of react quite quickly and they use the side of the brain, which is subconscious and it's based upon heuristics and biases. But actually, that doesn't necessarily work in our favor. But the cyber criminals know this, just like the marketeers do. And so for me, that was an, a real aha around behavior. And then the cultural aspect was really interesting because I think as an industry, we talk about culture within the context of what we're doing, either in the form of an objective we want to get to. We want security to be embedded in our culture. Or we talk about culture in terms of when we communicate to people, we've got to be aware of their culture. So, we were, for example, you wouldn't necessarily want to use um, beer, for example, in the communications campaign, which is targeting uh, you know, a population which is in, uh, or, uh, in countries where beer is just off, off, the, off the menu, you know, for religious reasons, for example. But actually, culture... It, Culture is, when you understand how cultures are formed and influenced, it really has an impact then upon, um, oh, so that's how culture under is a foundation upon which behaviours are often influenced. And then you also, I started to think about culture and go, oh, wait a minute. So if culture can influence behaviours, and behaviours are culture, then could I use culture as a means of targeting an organisation? Could you look for cultural values which lend themselves more towards people clicking quicker and without thinking? And that's why I got introduced to a lady called Char Sample, uh, who's on our show. Uh, and she's actually done quite a lot of data analysis around this. And she's, 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 she's basically brought the science together, which says, yeah, it does seem to be that trends of attacks can be based upon cultural values. So, yeah, three aha moments for awareness, behavior and culture. That's great. I'm just going to pull out something from your book. I think in your book, you say that in 99% of cases, data security breaches result from people um, do it. Data breaches result from people doing the wrong thing. That is a staggering statistic. Do you mm. think that, do you think generally security teams are aware of that? And do you think that's what's driving people's attention and thought towards the human factor in security today? Back then and now, we recognize that incidents are generally caused by people. Majority of them are caused by accident. Majority of them aren't caused by people doing things maliciously. Okay. And I think in, in, in itself, what, that's what that should be telling somebody who's a solution provider to businesses and governments is that if you don't understand the human aspect, you can never design a complete strategy for information security or cybersecurity because it always comes back to the person. You know, it's people design the systems, people use the systems, people benefit from the use of those systems, customers, society, whatever. Um, you've got to understand what it means to be human to better design 
an environment which reduces the likelihood of security incidents. That's, that is my absolute belief. I think I, I share that view as well. Um, the, the way I think about it is, um, again, I'm borrowing from your book, but I really love this point you made about people make 35,000 decisions every day. Mm. And, um, you know, some of those are going to be the wrong decision or you know, they're going to make a mistake. They're going to break the rules. They might be tricked. Um, when we, I think it was, you know, the late 1950s, cars introduced seatbelts because um, security awareness training equivalent of uh, driving a car was you passing your driving test. And that wasn't enough because people still made mistakes. And now we have all of this assistive technology in our cars to keep us safe if we do the wrong thing. I think it's, you know, my perspective on this, I completely agree with you. We have to have, we have to be rethinking the human factor. We have to be bringing in uh, social scientists. We have to be thinking about psychology of the employee, um, the decisions they're making. But there is also room for providing them with that assistive technology, those anti-lock brakes, airbags, seatbelts. If something does go wrong, uh, it can be there to help them. And I think I think that's spot on. So I mean, one of the things we teach is um, human factor design. So uh, and we call it, you know, design with the human in mind. And the bottom line is, we say to everybody, look, if you're going to rely just on your education and awareness campaign, you are missing out a massive part of how you can influence behaviour. And technology is one of those ways that you can. You could do it. I mean, that was the whole thing, you know, with viruses in the early days, it's like, don't double click on the attachment. Okay. And you're like, okay, just take away the ability <laughs> or put something yeah. in place that scans, you know. So even yeah. if people yeah, do works. do it, it, it would pick it up. Just like, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it amazes me how um, so many organizations are training their people to be phishing filters when we never train people to be spam filters. We just invented a technology that took that problem away for us. So I do agree with you. I think designing with the human in mind is so key. It's kind of a, it's a user interface challenge as much as it, as it is a, a behavioral challenge. And that influences behavior. If something is there, if an attachment is begging to be clicked, a link is begging to be clicked, a website looks just like your O365 login page um, yeah. and is hungry for your credentials um, those things uh, well we know what they lead to they lead to breaches um, yeah. and you know if we pull this back the general theme of our discussion here is that um, the human factor in security is this low-hanging fruit it is one of the most urgent things that organizations need to address and if they address it correctly they stand to gain or make the most gain from it from their security practice but why is it this way? It seems like, again, there are a lot of companies, a lot of, lot of people sort of missing this. I actually, for a presentation I worked on last year, I, I actually looked up the dictionary definition of cybersecurity. I'm going to quote it here. Okay. It says, measures, measures taken to protect a computer or a computer system against unauthorized access or attack. So there's, there's literally no mention of people or humans in that dictionary definition of cybersecurity. Um, I'm being a bit facetious here, but do you think this is part of the problem? Like, 
just security, it's about uh, cybersecurity is about computers, it's about data, it's about networks, and we're just not um, we're just not tuned in to thinking about the person who's controlling all of these systems and data. Or do you think it's something else? Well, that was a really good question. Um, I was having a chat with somebody there, and somebody goes, "It's um, people process technology, or technology process people." And I'm like, yeah, "So when are we doing the people bit?" So it's, it's you know, I, anyway, it's it's a recognised thing from a, an enterprise perspective, an enterprise architecture perspective. IT professionals always talk about people process technology, but it's the it's the last thing we've looked at. at really and arguably we've, we've really just started to do that properly so um yeah i do think that the people element has been has been sadly missed but um i do think that we're coming around to that so uh yeah hopefully uh you know when you listen to the show we've got i don't know we've got 17 17 and a half thousand people tuning in i think most people are listening in because they're interested in the human aspect and learning that from what they listen to when our guests come on the show and we've been really fortunate to have some great guests on and they talk about what it means to be human uh with from an awareness behavioral cultural perspective and you're like yeah i could use that to design things slightly make my thinking different yeah so all right that that which dictionary was that by the way do you remember which dictionary it was that's a very good question we can find oh, out and we can oh, uh we can share it with like- you yeah, we'll share it. We'll write a letter. Let's rewrite the dictionary definition. I like that, Bruce. You and I, we can, uh, let's see if we can edit the Wikipedia entry. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. It may have come from Wikipedia. The, um, you know, there's this point, uh, which I think is, it, you, you know, we've spoken about people are this difficult, complex factor in security. Maybe this is part of the reason why so many organizations either ignore it or they don't tackle it fully. People are unpredictable. Um, They are very complex. It is hard to change behavior. And the irony in all of this is that um, whilst we may be lagging behind on the cybersecurity side from an internal security team trying to keep ourselves safe from human error, hackers are actually laser focused on the human factor. They're crafting their attacks specifically with human behavior in mind, looking ways to take advantage of people, manipulate them. So I guess, how do you think that plays into all of this as well? Is is it surprising to you that this is the number one route into a company is trick somebody on email, get them to click a link, get them to pay a fake invoice, um, get them to download malware? You know, we're we're very aware that this is how attackers are targeting our organizations, but we're maybe not taking it as seriously as the as the attackers are. The security industry is constantly playing catch up. And for me, this is the one area where we can be at the front. Is that okay, we will catch we we will, you know, we will we have to catch up with where they are now. But if we pay enough attention to how what it means to be human, and if we keep an eye on the research that's being done, not from within the security industry necessarily, but obviously, but from all industry sectors, all academic areas, which revolve around what it means to be human, 
And then we boil that down into nuggets that we can use in terms of how we design security within organizations and implementing that, whether that's through education, awareness campaigns, learning and development, or through technology and service-based um, solutions. I think we could be leading on it compared to cyber criminals. You know, they have the, the, they have limited resources, just like we do, but the numbers are stacked in our favor compared to themselves. So if we were to make a commitment as an industry to be more open to, you know, okay, so where's the experience, where does this, where has this effort to influence behavior worked? Oh, it's from outside the security industry. Okay, we'll still treat that with the respect that it deserves. You know, just because it hasn't happened in the security industry, it's taking place outside. What can't we learn from it? I mean, you know, Aristotle wrote a book, <laughs> okay, um, and it was all about influence. It was all about influence. That was many, many years ago. And actually, a lot of what he writes, I mean, BJ, uh, BJ Fogg actually refers to Aristotle in his talks, which is great, because he's just like, this is the person who's well-respected when it comes to behavioral influence. Okay, um, and he's drawing his, I think it was his his real interest in behavior stemmed from reading Aristotle's uh, book. Um, and, and, and that's the thing for me, I think we could help. In our industry, we could really move forward. We could be on a level, if not ahead of, cyber criminals use of an understanding of behavior just by opening our arms and embracing those other people from outside the security industry who face yeah. that. I mean I'd, I'd say we we've, we've got to be otherwise we haven't we haven't got much hope. And I guess aside from reading Aristotle what would be your advice to security teams in organizations who are thinking about rethinking the human factor? Um what can they do to get started on this journey? The hardest thing for most people I work uh, I work with and I, who I just talked to is that still the security function is um, generally, you know, struggling to find the right skills. Uh, you know, there's talk of a skill shortage, and I think that 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 might very well be the case. I think in terms of the human factor, the skill shortage is e is even bigger. <laughs> so that's the first thing. The second thing is because of the lack of resources, invariably a lot of security um, folks who are responsible for education and awareness uh, don't have the time to sit back and think. That's really important. You need to take time out to think or you need to find sources where the thinking is being done that you can trust that it's being done in the right way. I, you know, for me, and then the, the third way, the, the third thing is to look at, um, and then this is a real challenge. You don't change culture in a year. It's hard to change culture in three years. It's hard to change behaviors broadly across your organization, especially if you've got a global footprint, okay, or your company's involved with mergers and acquisitions all the time and everything's changing. It's very hard to get that behavioral change that you wanted. You've got to develop a really long-term view. And the thing about long-term views around the human factor is that the person who sets it out might not necessarily be in place by the time it's actually implemented. 
and it's a real problem because uh, people like to finish doing the doing the work and move on, and they feel that they've achieved something. If you put something in place that isn't going to actually deliver the benefits until after you've left, it's very hard to remain motivated, and also um, you're not necessarily recognised for the, what you achieve by the time you've left because you haven't delivered everything you set out in the vision. And for me, that there needs to be a rethink about how do we remain, remain motivated to achieve this really lofty and ambitious goal when it could take three, five, ten years, but actually most people are moving around jobs every two, three or four, four years. I mean, the recommendation is that you move every, I think, three years or something like that. So actually, I think that's an interesting thing as well. How do you keep people motivated when they might not be there to actually receive the recognition for the success that they've actually instigated in the first place? Which I think is, again, these are maybe, you know, things that need to be discussed within a broader industry level as well. So in terms of getting on the road, find the time. Find good knowledge and um, to supplement your own knowledge. Embrace people from outside of security. You know, um, I'm, I made a prediction at the Information Security Forum a number of years ago, and I was asked to predict what the future CISO would be like. And I said, I think the future CISO in 2030 will either A, have a behavioral psychology background in some form or other, or B, will have a deputy who has a behavioral background. And I still absolutely stay with, I absolutely stand by that. I, I, I do think there is a shift happening where we're starting to realise that all security is about people. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, I, I think you sum it up so well at the end of, of your book. Um, and I'm going to quote you again, but we say every day around the world, millions of workers make information security choices which though much smaller, nevertheless, put their organization in harm's way, leaving it vulnerable and exposed to data breaches and cyber attack. They don't do this through any intent or ill will, but simply because they are human. And so they're open to a range of common, powerful influences that affect their behavior. If we understand and appreciate what these are, we'll be much better equipped to prevent them from making potentially faulty judgments. People may be the problem, but they are also the answer. Bruce, it's been great to have you on the podcast with us today. I'm going to finish with some quick fire questions, which are always a great way of us getting to know the humans behind the Human Layer Security podcast. So I'm going to ask you to finish the sentence. Okay. The best piece of advice I was ever given was? Ask why five times. That's great. And the cybersecurity industry needs. I've got this one for you, Bruce. It's to rethink <laughs> the human factor. Go on, then. You do it. I need to rethink the human factor. Yeah, that's a good one. Actually, yes. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much again. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to have you on the show. Um, we are, yeah, we've covered some great topics today. Uh, really, really delighted to have you and also go deeper on this. And uh, again, 
great book and that just leaves me to to say thank you very much for listening we'll be back with more human layer security insights in our next episode but if you can't wait that long you can visit our blog at tessian.com forward slash blog where you'll find lots of amazing content advice and tips and if you enjoyed our show please rate and review it on apple spotify google play or wherever you get your podcasts